If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. I mean, Happy New Year's Eve, everyone. What is everyone doing tonight? You know, I really enjoy staying in on New Year's. Now, I'm not staying in. I'm in the Hamptons, but I really wish I could stay in. I don't know. New Year's is so hyped, you guys. So I hope everyone is going to go out and have a great time if you're staying in. I would love you to stay with some pizzas. Mm. But hopefully you're making a lot of New Year's resolutions. We have a new thing coming here behind the velvet rope in the new year. So coming, I guess, on January 2nd, we're going to try something out. We're going to see if we like it. You're all going to weigh in. I'll make my own decision, of course, as normal. But I have something extra coming for you all that you might love in the new year. Well, today, enough about me. Today, we share this chat, which is kind of lost on our back feed, with the one and only American Idol winner, David Cook. Remember the original winner who all the Cougars loved? I mean, we talk Simon and we talk Paula and we talk Randy, talk about reality TV, competition, talk just about, it's a really great chat. It's a great chat. It becomes a bigger than life chat. And I just, I want to be reflective on New Year's. So what's their stuff that could have been in Bethany's reality reckoning from Idol? I think so. Why is she only focused on Bravo? But anyway, I digress. Sit back, enjoy. I want to hear all about everyone's New Year and enjoy this chat with the one and only Mr. David Cook. And Happy New Year's Eve. Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by Mr. David Cook. How are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I see that you have your coffee as well. I do. Yes. Where are you in the world? I don't even know. Are you on the same time zone as me in the East Coast? Uh, so I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. So I am just on the Central. Uh, time so zone. it's earlier for you? Eh, negligibly. I've been up for a few hours. Our dogs don't understand the concept of sleeping in. So I'm a morning person. I'm just like, I feel like nobody else I know is a morning person. And I That's like, to you. <laughs> you're not a morning person. No, not at all. But I go to bed really early and people think I'm crazy when I go to bed early. And I'm just like, I try, I try to adhere to like the in bed by 1030 thing. But with this year, just being the dumpster fire that it is. um, Yeah, that's kind of gone to hell. So it's just anytime really. Yeah. Like kind of, right? Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a weird one. You're just like, why can't we do whatever we want now? Because the time is just different. Yeah, there's no rules. <laughs> now, so you're in Nashville. Where are you from originally? Um, so um, I was born in Houston, Texas, um, but I call Kansas City, Missouri home. That's where I was. 
I've only spent like a year and change in Houston. And then my family moved up to Kansas city and I was there until, um, until after college. Wow. And growing up, like, were you, was it always music like right from the beginning or were you ever like, these are the 12 things I want to do with my life and let me figure (laughs) it out? No, I actually, music was, uh, you know, I grew up around it. My dad, uh, played guitar. Um, and so there was always music in the house. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it was kind of the peripherals for me. Like I, I was really, uh, I was into sports growing up. So like I played, uh, uh, you know, football, basketball, baseball. I kind of honed in on baseball as I got a little older and kind of saw myself maybe going the college baseball route. And, huh. uh, and then I tore up my shoulder. Um, and I had done this band thing in high school for fun. Didn't really see it going anywhere. But when my shoulder blew out, I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll just kind of follow this band. You know, the rest of the guys were going to this, um, this state university in, in Missouri. So I was like, I'll just go there and try the band thing out. And uh, it just snowballed. So um, music wasn't really something I took seriously, I guess, until, uh, until college. And then you just kind of were like, this is it? Or was it still like, okay, I'm going to do this and, you know. I I gave myself ample opportunity to take other things seriously, I think. Um, but it just, nothing, nothing got me excited. I mean, I took, I took the band more seriously in college than I did school. So it's like. Uh, That's a sign, I, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I would I would go to class until like two or three. Um, particularly my last year, because I had, the band that I had been with in Kansas City, we disbanded and I joined a band that was based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh and uh so I would finish class at like two or three, and then I would drive four and a half hours to Tulsa, wow. play a gig, and then drive back overnight to make like my eight AM class the next day. And I did that for like a year. Um, and that's when I kind of figured like, okay, like I obviously like have a passion for this and let's, uh, let's see where it goes. Yeah. Like four and a half hours. I, it was, uh, I, I got very familiar with, um, <laughs> with truck stops on that route. So like, I, knew, I knew my stops. I knew like, all right, this is where I, I'm going to get gas. And this is where like, you know, I'll get caffeine and, um, you know shitty food and um man I, I i look back on that now so fondly probably because i'm getting to do what i do now but um yeah it was it was a trip like if i i would not recommend anybody do that but for whatever reason i was like this is my this is my route interesting i right right because like you weren't making like tons of money i would assume at that point so i mean that's when you're like this is a passion yeah oh god for sure yeah because it, it, i mean i was literally like I didn't tell my folks I was doing that. And so like, I would, uh, I would burn whatever cash I had on gas. Um, and then pray to like, and I was just getting there and then pray to God that the gig would make enough money where I had enough to get gas to go home. Wow. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. Like looking back on it now, there were so many like stupid little gambles that paid off, um, that like had one of those things gone wrong you know, I'm probably like really looking down the barrel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
Um, but it, it, yeah, it, it, all these serendipitous little things that all converge at the exact right moment to make sure like, okay, like this is the path that I'm supposed to be on right now. When you told your parents you wanted to do music full time, were they like great or I mean, I'm just thinking of my own parents. That, sure, that's a whole nother sure. story. Oh. They would be like, there's the door. And yeah. like, I mean, I'm like, you know, they, they would I, not have understood that. But, you know, there's a lot of parents out there that are like, that's great. And, you know. Of course. Yeah. No, my, uh, my, my mom was super supportive, but I think pragmatic. Um, so she had fears and made those fears known. Like, you know, I had job offers out of college. Like I, I, I studied graphic design in college and, and so like there were job offers there. Um, I had, a, I had a really good conversation with my dad actually. And my dad was like, you know, you've got your whole life to make money. So give it a few years and see what happens. Cause like the other option was for me to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma and live in my friend's dining room so that, you know, I could play music and be in this band full time. And um, yeah, so I, I gave myself a deadline. So I moved down there at 23 and that was like, that was like the, the, um, the agreement with the, with the parents was, um, you know, time frame it. And if you're not where, yeah. if you're not where you need to be in this amount of time, then come home. And so I gave myself three years. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to idle, I ended up winning almost six months to the day before my deadline. Oh, really? So that was within like the three years. Yeah, barely. So, so. Well, so prior to Idol, like you were, you know, working as a musician, like making some money and like at least following. Acoustic gigs for rent money. Yeah. Yes. So then, okay. So 2008, season seven, you know, what, like what, what was different? Like what made you decide to, why then, why then, I guess. It's another one of those things where. Sometimes I always wondered if I, if I was driving on the path or if the path was driving me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I went to Omaha with my little brother and my mom. My little brother had wanted to audition and, uh, for years. Um, and I was, I was peripherally aware of Idol, you know, to, to the point where I was just like, all right, I, there's probably no avenue for somebody like me there. You know, like I kind of lived in the rock um, lane. And, and, and to that point, there hadn't really been – I think Daughtry might've been the lone example at that point, maybe Bo Bice to a lesser extent, but um, there really wasn't an, uh, like a wide open Avenue for me there. It didn't seem like, so I, I went to Omaha just like, it was a free vacation for me to get out of Tulsa for a few days and, and see my family. And um, so I went not intending to audition um, and then kind of got talked into it as we were, as we were standing in the registration line Um and, and and then it just, you know, again, it was another one of those things that just snowballed. So I picked a song that I, I normally would play like at acoustic gigs because that was the one that was like readily available to me mentally. Um, made it through the first round of auditions. I auditioned in a group with my brother and my brother didn't make it. So that was a little weird navigating. Um, and then it just, yeah, just audition after audition, I kept somehow like falling forward. Um but it was really just this weird mental game of catch up. Like I wasn't like, I didn't have this grandiose plan. Like I'm going to audition and I'm going to do this and that. Da, da, da. It was just like, all right, I made another one. So what now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
but it uh who convinced you to audition when you were standing in line your brother sort of so i i we were standing in line um and idol would have these um these producers walking down the line with like handheld cameras basically just snagging like on the spot interviews yeah for, for b-roll and uh one of the producers stopped and asked my brother, like, why are you the next American Idol? And my brother gave, you know, whatever answer he gave, I don't, I don't remember. And then he turned to me and asked me, and I was just like, I'm not auditioning. Like, I'm just here for him. And, and he goes, oh, well, you know, maybe you should audition. He goes, just answer the question. If you decide to audition, great. If you don't, then obviously we won't use it. I was like, all right. And so I gave some smart ass answer about, I'm just here to meet Mandy Moore, which didn't make any sense, but whatever. <laughs> And uh, he walked away and, and my mom and my brother were like, you should probably just go ahead and audition. Okay, I guess. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, and literally like two minutes later, I was signing on the registration sheet. So. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was very, um, yeah, it was one of those things where just all these little weird things converged at the right moment. I'll admit it, as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority, and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water, and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all-in-one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. You guys know I've been so honest with you about my weight loss over the past few months. Look, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. There's so many diet plans that say, do this, don't do that, and none of them have ever worked for me. That is until noon. Noom realizes that with weight, one size does not fit all. They take into account each person's individual needs. Noom builds personal plans that takes your specific dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs into account, and then they build a plan that works for you. Noom uses a psychology-based approach. They focus on the why. They believe that losing weight starts with your brain, so they focus on why haven't you been able to lose weight. They really change the way you think about food. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. And then, so you audition, and there you walk in, and what? There you just see, like, Randy and Paula. Like, I mean, you didn't watch Idol, it sounds like. No, no. I, I mean, again, I was peripherally aware. So, like, I knew, I knew, you know, the big talking heads. You know, I knew, like... I knew Ryan and the judges, and that's really it. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, it was at this arena in Omaha, 
And so you walk in and it's literally like they've got stations set up on the floor of the arena. And then you all just kind of sit down in, in the, in the bleachers and wait for them to call your section. Um, so it was very cattle callish. It was very like, um, uh, not a lot of like human connection in it. Do you know what right. I mean? Like we're making a TV show and yeah, yeah. We got to get through this. Let's wrap this up. Like you know, it could talking. either be you or someone else. I mean, really? yeah, they'll yeah. find, I, they'll find their people, you know, they said, they said that, you know, I remember the number at the end of the season, they said 103,000 people auditioned that season, you know, about throughout all the cities. So like you can imagine, I mean, there was probably every bit of 10,000 people there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they herd you into groups of four, and then you go in front of one of these little kiosks on the floor of the arena, and they point at you, you sing for 10, 15 seconds, and then step back into your group of four. And then I, I remember, like, the judge kind of sat there and looked at us like this and and then went, okay, you go this way. Pointed at me and go, you go this way. The other three of you, sorry, you're not what we're looking for. Thank you so much for trying. Head out this way. And you go into this room and – you know, sign your non-disclosure agreements. And, and uh, right. then next thing I know, I'm outside the arena. Just like, all right, what now? Like, I didn't, I didn't know where my family was at. I was just like standing outside this arena by myself for about a half hour afterwards. Did that just happen? And then they found you. I mean, that's just how I'm picturing it. I'm picturing it like you go to the left, you go to the right. Really? No, truly. That's it, what I'm was, picturing. I, 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 the analogy that always kind of sticks out in my head is you remember that scene in Willy Wonka? where like they go into the, the room with the, the uh, geese laying golden eggs and you see yeah. it this way. And it's like, oh, that's a good egg. So it goes this way. And then another one just drops down the chute. That's kind of what it was like. It was very much like, a, all right, you guys go this way. You're good to go. Uh, but yeah, very impersonal. And it really, I mean, I didn't see the judges until I think my fifth audition. So like, right. they, I mean, they put you, they put you through it for sure. And then, so, like, going through this, like, the timeline between that and the judges is what? Like, a week? Months? So, the initial audition, the, the cattle call style audition, that was in August of 2007. And I went back to Omaha two months later and did two or three more auditions over the course of uh-huh. um, a couple days. And then once I made it past that, then made it to Hollywood week. And that was, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, for, I'm missing one. Then I had to go back to Omaha again a month later for another round. And then went to Hollywood week in January of 08. Wow. Um, so it was all pretty, pretty spread out. Um, and the weird thing was like, I had to keep it super quiet. Right. So, like, I, I, I went back to Tulsa and everybody's like, how did it go? And I'm like, eh. You know, like I can't tell anybody. Um, right. In the meantime, like it was so weird. Like right, bef- right uh, before Hollywood Week in January, I got a job offer to be the um, the graphic uh, design editor for this arts and entertainment magazine in Tulsa, and it was a job I'd been like working towards for a couple months. And I had to like I had to tell them like, hey, so I want the job, but this. I got to take a week off because this thing is happening and I have to see it through. And they, they were like, well, you know, obviously we can't give you the job if you're not going to be here. So we have to know, you have to say yay or nay now. So I had to turn down that job. Wow. On the hopes that the idol, you know, the Hollywood week was going to work out. So, so that's like a coming to Jesus moment of like. Oh, it was very much like, a, are you in or are you out? 
Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, shit or get off the pot. So yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah. I remember that, that being like the most nerve wracking part of the whole thing. It was just like, if I turn this down and the idol thing doesn't work out, then I'm back at square one effectively. Right. So, I mean, at some point, like you said, you didn't want to audition or you weren't going to, at some point, William, I mean, you're turning down a job. You must have gone from like, what am I doing here? Let me just pick some random song. I mean, a song that you knew to like, I want this. I just felt like it was an avenue. And um, I had gotten that far making some pretty like on, on paper, dumb decisions, you know, like moving to Oklahoma to live in a dining room. Uh, missing a van call and hitchhiking up to a gig in Wisconsin. Like just dumb, dumb decisions that don't make any sense that worked out. So I was like, well, what's one more dumb decision? Um, And yeah, it, it, it's funny now. I feel like, I feel like my entire career is just built on dumb decisions. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, they just work out. Do you know what I mean? Like just taking, taking gambles and betting on myself um, and feeling like, yeah, I've I've got some semblance of talent. Um, I'm not the worst musician in the world. And maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can trick a few people and make a few bucks out of this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, And it just kept, just kept snowballing. Yeah. Did you have any, reservations and doing it like was there any you know like certain people back in the day like there was that stigma of like if you were a certain type of musician I mean I'm not saying there should be but you know like certain people like you look at like a Constantine or like you know just you know in the beginning like you said it was Daughtry and maybe like Bo Bice like did you have any of like I mean not that I'm saying you were like selling out arenas at that time but did you have any like this is the type of music I want to do and maybe this is like you know, bubblegum TV stuff. I felt like, honestly, go like w- once I made the decision to really see it through and like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this and see how it shakes out. I had no expectation of anything. So I was just like, all right, like maybe it'll be cool to get a few minutes of TV time. Somebody here in Kansas city or in Oklahoma might hear my voice and maybe I get a gig out of it. Um, whatever you know and then even as i got on the top 24 i was like all right well i'm gonna go home in a couple of weeks so like i'll just it's you know free trip to la and maybe get my face seen so whatever um it wasn't it was pretty late in the process when i honestly was just like oh like i've got a i have a shot here how the hell is that happening but whatever um and I think that mentality actually served me pretty well because it allowed me to kind of focus on the moment and st- like the micro instead of the macro. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm on this TV show being watched by millions of people. I'm going to throw up. It was, all right, I'm here another week. Yeah. You know, enjoy the moment as best you can. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, the decision to like go for it wasn't really in connection with any sort of expectation. It was just like, I'm just going to go for this and see what happens. And And then, well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say like week to week, 
that probably helped you were were you like the one that stuck out or like you were with all these other contestants were they i mean i imagine you know because people come into this like this is life or death like this sure, is either going to sure. make which i'm not saying is the case but you know you look at all the people that don't win that go on to like amazing careers i i think i just i i think i just felt like well, like one of the things that really helped me was that they allowed musical instruments on our season for the first time. And that was a huge saving grace for me. Cause I, I, you know, I'll go to my grave saying I wasn't the best singer on our season. I think I have a character about my voice, which is helpful, but you know, I, I mean, our season had David Archuleta and Carly Smithson and Brooke White and Saisha Mercado and all these just incredible singers. Um, and so the one thing I was able to lean on was like my musicianship. That's where I felt like, all right, this is the strength I can bring to the table. Cause I'd been in bands for 10 years before that and cut my teeth, you know, playing in clubs. And, um, and so I felt like I had that going for me. Um, and so I really leaned on that. And that's kind of where the idea from like, for like re- reworking songs came from. Cause it was just like, you know, you brought it up earlier. Like I did have an idea what kind of music I wanted to do. And I knew that, like, when it came to theme weeks like Mariah Carey week, what am I going to do? You know, there's no yeah. Mariah Carey song that that on its face sits in my wheelhouse. So, like, I, you kind of, I kind of had to bend these songs to my will a little bit out of necessity. Um, and then that ended up kind of being, um, you know, a strength for me and something that helped me stand out. Um and, and none, neither one of those decisions were premeditated. It was just like, okay, this is the situation that I'm in. Let's see what happens. Um, which, you know, I, I don't know if I make those decisions if I'm thinking like what we said a minute ago, like on a macro sense and worrying yeah. about everything. I don't think I make those decisions probably out of fear. Just like, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mess this up. So I'm going to play it safe. Like not even thinking about that allowed me to take these weird sort of calculated risks. Well, I never even thought of it either. Maybe, you know, about the fact that they allowed instruments on your season, you know, like, like I never thought of that. Lifesaver for me, you know, I, I, I remember because the first few auditions I didn't have, they wouldn't, you know, I couldn't play guitar like in the early auditions. Um, and I remember one audition in front of some associate producers. Um, they go, uh, I finished the song. And they're like, that's great, you know. Um, and then one guy goes, do you play guitar? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I could tell because you were doing the chord progressions with your hand while you were singing. I was like, oh. He goes, don't do that the next round. So the next round I go, and I purposely, like, I grab the the seams on the outside of my pants, you know. And I sing, and the... Um, one of the judges goes, uh, you need to use your hands more. And then the next round was in front of Randy, Paul, and Simon. And I, mentally, I'm just a wreck. So I'm like, do I, what do I do with my hands? You know, it's very much like a Ricky Bobby thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so once they said guitars were allowed, I was like, oh, my God. Thank God. Because now I don't have to worry about what to do with my hands. <laughs> do you think... Like, I mean, it's neither here nor there. Like, do you think you would have maybe had a different outcome if the whole instruments and guitars weren't allowed? With, without question. Yeah. Really? I, I think it, it, um, I think at that point the guitar was, um, 
a bit of a crutch for me. Um, and so being able to have it, you know, it was just, it was a little bit of a warm blanket. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it allowed me to, I, 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 as top 24 started, um, I think that first week I didn't play guitar and I felt super uncomfortable. So the second week I think was seventies week and I did all right now by free and I, and I played guitar and I felt better about it. Um, and so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to lean in. I'm going to lean into that a little bit and just kind of get my footing. Cause I was by no means even remotely a finished product those first few weeks. And so it was nice to like live under the radar, have that security blanket and kind of find myself in, in that atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And you thought you have a chance, what, like not the top 24, like when you were standing there in the final two, like when you just towards the end, you were like, okay, I may win. I think probably top three or top four was when I started to think like, maybe I have a chance here. Like percentage wise, it's not great, but there's a percentage chance there. Right. Um, and, uh, but even then it was never like, you know, I never felt like I, I was the, even the finale, I was just like, took second on idol. Cool. You know, cause Archie was such a powerhouse. Um, and yeah, I don't, I still am not a hundred percent sure what happened, <laughs> but it just, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I had such a, a high level of respect for all the other performers. Cause I knew the work I was putting in. I saw some of the, at least some of the work they were putting in. Um, there were no slouches our season. So it was just, yeah. like, you know, any one of us could have pulled that out. I, I really, truly believe that. Your best gift this holiday season is holidays on the house from DraftKings Casino. They have hundreds in games and prizes. So many classics like slots, blackjack, and roulette. Listen, download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code VELVETROPE and play $5 to get $100 in casino credits. That's promo code VELVETROPE only at DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly, 21 and over. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. One per opted-in new customer. $5 wager required. Max $100 in casino credit awarded, which requires one playthrough within seven days. Terms at casino.draftkings.com slash holidays on the house. Restrictions apply. Right. I mean, you guys, like, like you said... Archie had some moments that were incredible. I, I still, uh, I talk to him uh, about once a month now. Um, and I still compliment him on some of his performances on the show. Cause they were nuts. Like it was just like, Oh God, like there's no way I'm beating that. Do you think it helped you, you know, just cause you were one of the older, you know, not old, but you know, like you had people like you weren't on the, like you weren't 18. Like, do you think that like just mentally helped you? I think having having had you know that, that ten years before Idol, 
I think it was helpful because it was, I had this base level of musicianship to lean on. I knew what, I knew where my voice sat on, on like the, the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and I knew, um, I knew where it sat sonically. So it was, it was, it was easier for me to make decisions. All right, I'm going to do this song because it sits in my vocal range. Um, I feel like I can tell that story and, and I can do that performance justice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So I knew, I knew, I knew what pitfalls to stay away from vocally, which was helpful. What about the judges? Who was your favorite? Um, in the moment, uh, I liked Simon only because I, I saw him as the biggest challenge. Do you know, like, I felt like if he said something good about you, he meant it. And if he said something bad about you, he meant it. Not that I felt like the other judges were lying, but right. Um, the other judges had a, an empathy chip that maybe Simon didn't have. So um, but after, um, particularly when we did the Fox finale a few years ago, and I forget what magazine did this like retrospective on Idol. And I found out that Paula actually fought for me. Like the other judges, I wasn't going to be on the show except for Paula. Um, and she like shut down production fighting for me. Um, so the last few years, especially Paula has been my favorite purely because of that. Like I, I, I owe her, uh, I owe her quite a bit. Right. Like she just was like, she wouldn't let it go. She was like, apparently, yeah, apparently her and Simon, they, they, they went 12 rounds over it. So I'm not sure what happened that caused Simon to lose, but um, I'm glad he did. Paula always gets her way. I mean, come on now. You're not joking. <laughs> Do you, were they like any fun stories of like, I mean, like, did you interact with the judges or it really was just like, you know, like an iron wall because they were judges and there wasn't. They, they, they kept us pretty separate. Uh, the only time I remember really interacting with them off camera was um, the night Michael Johns got voted out. Um, there was a Fox party for uh to celebrate idol gives back because that was um uh that was the theme that week yeah and um so we go to this party at rupert murdoch's place and you know all of us are kind of like trying to look like we belong at this party (laughs) and uh the judges show up and i go up to simon and and i just say you know i guess you're stuck with me another week just you know being a smart ass and uh and he goes david i don't know why you're still here oh okay <laughs> and uh you know 25 year old me took that as a challenge i think 37 year old me uh would have probably just shriveled up but um yeah it was that was like my one interaction with the judges before the finale um past that they kept it you know i it was it was before like the huge social media blow up. Right. Uh, so yeah, we were kept pretty sequestered from everything. I, I remember if it, it, you were conscious of the bubble that we were in. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really know much outside of that bubble and, and they kept us pretty separate from 
really everybody. We would see Ryan for for stage block and for live show, and that was about it. So, yeah, I didn't see much of anybody. Do you keep in touch or, like, ever run into, you know, like, when the world was open? Like, do you ever run into, like, a Ryan, Simon, Paula? Um, being here, no, not really. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I saw them. God, it's been a long time. Um, in fact, I think it might have been the Fox finale was the last time I saw them. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, most, most of the people I still talk to were, are, I talked to, uh, you know, a, a few of our, the fellow contestants from our season, um, Archie and, uh, and Ramiel and Brooke, um, uh, and, you know, I, I've kept a lot of the relationships from people behind the scenes, a lot of the, like, associate producers and, um, you know, con- contestant wranglers, that kind of stuff. And I'm not so sure how good Simon is in keeping in touch anyway with people. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's a busy guy. And um, I don't know what we would talk about anyway. God bless him. <laughs> what about guest judge J-Lo? Um, so J-Lo wasn't on our season. She wasn't? Um, I thought no. she was on your season. We were, oh. now we had, so our guest judges that season were Dolly Parton, who I absolutely adored, uh, Neil Diamond, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Mariah Carey. Yeah, those were the four. How was, what was Mariah like? Maybe I'm thinking of Mariah, I swear I thought J-Lo was, I mean, you know, not that I'm saying Mariah and J-Lo no, are the no, same I, person. I've interacted with J-Lo very briefly at a couple idle things over the years, but yeah, not on our season. Um, Mariah was, um, Mariah, I, I, it was, uh, I remember not having a whole lot of interaction with, with her. Uh, I, it was, I think, you know, she came in, we did our like midweek, we're going to film, you know, us playing our songs for her for the first time and her kind of giving her notes and then us taking those notes and working it out. And, um, but yeah, not, uh, she wasn't super involved that I recall. Uh, Dolly Parton was um, super down to earth. Um, and I learned a lot from her just about opening up the peripherals and being kind of in tune with how anything can be an inspiration. She talked about um, writing nine to five and how she came up with uh, the, the beginning of that song. That's yeah. Was her running her fake fingernails together. Really? And I just remember thinking like how random that that would inspire a song. Um, But ultimately just, I mean, I just thought that was so cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, a classic song that... Oh, my God. Have. Yeah, and the thing, like, it came together because of your Lee press-on nails. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I'm not... I don't... I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't either <laughs> until she told us. And Dolly. I mean, I, I picture Dolly very down-to-earth. Yeah. Um, we, I, I really, like... Our, our mentors that season were... We're pretty rad, I have to say. Just, I, I think, just being open and, um, and really taking that 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 role seriously. And it was something I tried to pay forward when I went to mentors. Is like I just want to be open and of assistance to these contestants, um, pass on any pertinent knowledge I can, and 
uh, and help them do well. Um, and that seemed to be what all our mentors did that season. It was pretty cool. Did you watch Idol like after you were off like all those years and like the new incarnation with like Lionel Richie and Katy Perry? I watch, I, I, I haven't caught a lot of the last couple seasons. Um, I, I started to find out as I was watching the seasons after mine um, that, um, what was I saying? Oh, that um, anytime I would, I would really get into a contestant, they would go home. <laughs> I was just like, I just don't want to pick a favorite anymore. Um, but I haven't, I haven't tuned in a whole lot the last couple of seasons, but I did watch um, a lot like after my season, just to really keep up and um, wanting to continue to be a part of that. And see who won. You know. What about, so you won. So when you won, what was that like? Um. It's like being shot out of a cannon. Uh, it, it was, I, I, I remember, I remember just being floored by like all of a sudden you won, you're out of the bubble. Good luck. You know, I, I, I think 24 hours after I won, I was on the tonight show with Jay Leno. And what sucks about it is I don't remember a minute of it. I was so tired. I hadn't slept a wink. Um, but yeah, there's apparently footage that I was on the couch. Um, so I just remember like it was that. It was just a lot, like right out of the gate, like go, 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 go. First 72 hours, you're doing all this press. You're taking a meeting with your management, scheduling writing sessions. Um, you know, we got to get you moved. Um, we got to find a place for you to live. Um, it was all very chaotic, um, but it was all exciting stuff. Um, and, you know, immediately you're jumping into like tour rehearsals for the idol tour and trying to write a record. Um, but it was nuts that the, that the rest, the second half of 2008, Jesus, it's a blur. I, I, my memories are of like just moments. Like I remember the first, uh, tour stop show in Phoenix, I don't remember performing, but I remember like standing outside of the venue, like getting on the bus, like just weird, like little moments, you know what right. I mean? Right. Um, was yeah, it like, nine was like, well, I was going to say like, so was it like, they wanted to move you what, like out to LA? Like, was it like, okay, the cash cow of idol, like let's, you know. It was, it was, it was, Hey, congrats on all the work you've done for the last four and a half months. Let's get to work. It was really that. Um, yeah, I mean, within 72 hours, I'm in a meeting with management, and they're like, what do you want? What do you want out of this? And I just remember saying, like, if I can get 10 good years, I'm calling that a win. You know, anything after that is cake. Um, and they're playing me, like, songs that they think might be a good a good first single for the album that hasn't been written yet. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, yeah, it was – who do you want to write with? I'm like, what? Like, what are, what, what are we talking about? Like, didn't this just happen? Um, yeah, it was all very quick. But, you know, all I could do at that point was just kind of grab hold and hang on. And, like, so were you in a way, like, you know, because, look, you had, like, Carrie and Kelly. Mm-hmm. So were you, you know, even though it's a lot of work, I mean, 
it sounds like part of you was like, who am I? Like, you're asking me who, who I want to write with? Like, yeah. wow. Thanks yeah. for who asking my... <laughs> right. But at the same time, are you like, oh my God, like I could be Kelly Clarkson and Karen. Like, you know, did you have like, it, and I'm not, it's, there's no shade. Like, were you just like, I could huh? be a freaking superstar or were you just like, let me stick to the music. I mean, I, I, I would be like, where's my check and I'm going to have a house and a car and like, I'm going to be Carrie Underwood people. And that's just my thing. I, I, I acknowledge that that, that possibility existed. Maybe for the first time. I was just like, okay, like this is ridiculous and absurd. And this could be my life for a while. Um, I remember thinking like, all right, you know, I, I had to pay some back rent that was due um, and get current on some bills. That was the first thing. And then it was like, okay, what do I, what do I want this to be for me right now? It's like, so I, I got a house and I got a dog and I got a car. Like those are three things you need, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, a way to get somewhere, a place to live and a buddy. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think once I had those three things, it was like, okay, whatever you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good for a while. And, um, and then, it, yeah, I, I, before I knew it, the record was out. Like, it was just like, okay, <laughs> record's out. Now what? Now we got to do promo for the record. I remember our first performance as a band was SNL. And that's the, that's one of the few times I've hugged a trash can and thrown up right before we went on stage. <laughs> really? This is so ridiculously stupid. What am I doing here? Like Ben Affleck was hosting and we were performing as a as a band for the first time anywhere. Ugh. Absurdity. That that whole year was just absurd. Doesn't make any sense. And that was literally your first live performance was SNL. Yeah. What? Right. So like this is that when like the pinch me moment like kicks in, like when it's Ben Affleck and you're on SNL. I mean, that's gotta be a career goal at that point or that- high. It wasn't a goal because it just felt so absurd to even like put out into the universe. Like my goal was like, get signed. All right. Now what? Do you know what I mean? Like it just, everything was happening so fast. I think I I didn't have the opportunity to process it and like make new goals. So I was just kind of on for the ride. Um, I was like, I want to, I want to have a record deal and go on tour. Okay. What else? Hell, I don't know what else. What isn't that enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so stuff like SNL and um, I got to play at Carnegie Hall. Um, just stupid shit. They're like, to this day, it's like huge feather in the cap, huge pinch me moments that don't make any sense to me even now. How is Ben Affleck? Or it just he kind of did his own thing. You kind of did your own thing. You don't really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, he did his own thing. He was nice. Uh, I, I tell this story all the time of of uh, the first time I met him was we were shooting like, um, you know, they do those little like promos where, hey, I'm Ben Affleck and I'm hosting SNL this week with musical guest David Cook. Yeah. Um, I always tell people like my, my first interaction with Ben Affleck is while he's saying that he stepped on my foot really hard. <laughs> that was it. We said hi, he stepped on my foot, and I didn't really see him again, so. What about you performed, Hillary Clinton was a fan, and you performed for Hillary Clinton? Yeah, that was the Carnegie Hall thing. So, um, 
I got asked by, uh, I guess she's friends with um, Mary Steenberg and Terry, uh, Ted Danson's wife. Yeah. Um, apparently she, Hillary Clinton was a big fan and asked, uh, or so Mary asked if I would be a surprise performer for her at this Glamour Women of the Year Awards thing at Carnegie Hall. I was like, yeah, sure. And so I go up and play this song and end up at this after party in a, in a semicircle, like fly on the wall during a conversation between Hillary Clinton, Condoleezza Rice, and Fergie. Just, I, I, even talking about it now, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's very strange. But that was life at that point. Right. Like, do you have out-of-body moments now, like, where you look back and you're like, was that me? Like, was I actually the one having that conversation? Constantly. Like, I, I feel like when I tell people this stuff, it's like... Like, whose life is this? Who, a, whose life is it? And B, like, I feel like somebody's going to be well within their rights to call bullshit. You know what I mean? She's like, that didn't happen. And I'm not going to have any way of saying, no, it really did. It's just like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> right. Um, but that was that year. That was 08. Um, very strange. Are you the type, like, to get starstruck? You know, like, is there anyone, like, if you met them, you would be like, I can't believe, you know, or, I mean, well, you met Hillary Clinton, you know, like, you've that met. Was, yeah. That was, I, I don't know that I felt in in awe, like I couldn't speak. I think it just felt very um very foreign, maybe. Just like this is not I, I acknowledge that it wasn't normal life. I acknowledge that like ninety-eight percent of my life at that point was very much theater of the absurd. Um and uh yeah I, I historically and even now like I don't really geek out too much unless it's like a professional athlete. Like somebody who's doing something that like is completely out of my wheelhouse. Like, do not understand it. Right. Um, like, I got to meet Patrick Mahomes at a charity event, quarterback for the Chiefs. Uh, was it last year? Yeah, last year. And just, like, I got stupid. You know what I mean? Um, that kind of stuff still. We all have those people. Like, I would think – well, some people don't, but I'm kind of the same way. Like, there's one or two people. Yeah. I, I, I met – um, or like, you know, like music royalty. Like I, I met uh, Bruce Springsteen. I, just like, that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I, I don't have anything to say to you except like I'm a huge fan and, you know, you're great. Yeah. And like there, there's no chance of having any sort of a um, a philosophical conversation <laughs> in that moment. Because you're like, I'm just going to lose it. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, nothing I say is going to be intelligible. Um, and you're just going to think I'm, um, I'm ridiculous and you're going to want to get away from me as quickly as possible. It's, it's pretty much that kind of scenario. What about, cause you know, when you were on idol, one of the things that, I mean, you got lots of votes, but you had the whole mom vote thing going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you were kind of the first one, I think, to really have that whole thing become a thing. One of the first. It was, uh, it was it was funny because you know even now like um, I knew that Archie kind of had the uh, the tween vote kind of on lockdown for the most part, um, and at that time that was that seemed like the lion's share of of the viewers for the show. So that was part of like what led me to believe like all right I'm taking second for sure. Um, yeah, the uh, 
the, the silent majority spoke up, I guess. It's funny even now though, cause like I'll get, um, you know, the random brave like tweet from an Archie fan, even about this last election. <laughs> They're just, this election reminds me of, of, of uh, or this, this election's giving me anxiety because I remember what happened with the, uh, the battle of the Davids on idol. It just makes me laugh so much. I'm just like, Oh, but those teens are now like, you know, early 20s and voting. Did you get, I mean, because it was a different time with social media, but to that point, like, did you get like hate, you know, from like the Archie fans? Like, this is um, outrage. I, I was I was fortunate to have Michael Johns as part of that experience for me. Mike was great about, I remember early on, you know, I would see some of that stuff and it would get a little toxic and it'd start screwing with your head and I just remember Mike kind of tuning me off of that stuff. Uh, so, and that happened pretty early. So I was fortunate. I didn't see 99% of it, but. Um, That's good. And like, even oh, now you're like, you've never gone down that rabbit hole that we all live in. Oh no, I've gone down that rabbit hole a few times over the years. I, I, I'm able to, for the most part, uh, process it as it is, um, and, and find humor in it. Um, but yeah, there was a there was a moment there, I, you know. That's what that's what therapy's for. Seriously, I mean, yeah. we all listen. If you do anything even remotely in the public eye these days, oh, for sure. Listen, I you know I, I've leaned a lot over the last twelve years on um, on this quote that I'd had actually before Idol, and it was uh, whether you're pleasing or pissing everybody off, you're doing it wrong. Um, and so yeah, I just felt like all right, like there's going to be people out there that don't like me and I just got to figure out a way to be okay with that. Yeah. Easier said than done, but it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. Yeah. What about like music competition shows, you know, like do they work? You know what I mean? Like, or is there any like negative, like have you ever had that, you know, like, like when, when I interview actors, like a lot of times I'll interview an actor who was on a soap opera and now there's something else, but they'll say, this is what happened after I was on this soap opera. No <laughs> offense to soap operas. Like, is there any of that, like, did you ever get any of that like negative connotation of like, oh, that's the kid from Idol or the guy from Idol and he's not a real musician or whatever? Yeah, which I, I mean, um, I, there's always going to be that. I, I think because I... I I think because it is viewed as a shortcut, which I would argue that it's not. Um, particularly, you know, I can I can speak for myself and say like I know I put in the work beforehand. So Idol was just a platform, really, for me, um, and it got me some some um, exposure, which I needed. Um, but I didn't come in just off the street like, oh, I guess I'll sing. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so people that say that, you know, more often than not are just misinformed and I don't really, you know, I don't put much weight on it, but um, sadly, yeah, that does exist. Um, which, I mean, ultimately you can look at it one of two ways. You can either take it personally or you can just look at it like it's their loss. I, I, I'm proud of the stuff that I put out now. And, um, you know, if, if they want to deny themselves the opportunity to listen to it, then okay. Right. Totally. Yeah. What about like, is it like a saturated formula? You know, because like, look, you have Carrie and Kelly that sure. are just not 
just from numbers point of view, like they're the two biggest, so to yeah. speak. Oh no, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, but I'm also like, at just a different point. Like I, I don't watch the voice just because I'm just don't, but you know, so like I couldn't, but maybe it's as, but like, you know, you don't hear of like, even like a Constantine, a David Cook, like you just don't hear, like there's these shows, but you don't really hear of what people go on to do. Like, is it saturated, like in your opinion of like, just these shows have been around for too long? I don't know if it's saturated. I think, here's my opinion. Yeah. Whatever it's worth. I think when Idol was at its best, um, it was about the contestants. And the lion's share of the show on any given week was set up to allow the viewers to invest in the contestants. Um, I think when it started to shift was when the other shows came along and it became more about the judges panel um, and less about the contestants. Cause then it's like, you know, how fortunate was I that you come off the show and you've got this audience that's really invested in not just you as an art, as a musician or a singer, but in you as a human being and they want you to succeed. And so they're going to invest in what you put out. Um, and, and, uh, and then I think as that shifted, the viewers were allowed less of an opportunity to invest in the contestants. And so when the contestants came off the show, it was just kind of like, okay, what's next, you know, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but I have noticed, particularly with Idol, the last couple of seasons, I think as the judges panel has kind of solidified, there's been less turnover. Um, I've noticed more of an effort to get back into the contestants a little bit, which is nice. So hopefully that continues. I hope so too. Yeah. What about kinky boots? Talk to me about kinky boots. I, <laughs> that was a career highlight for me, truly. Really? Um, I, I, I had done theater uh, in, in high school and I went to college on a theater scholarship before I dropped it to focus on the band. And, and, um, and so the opportunity to get back into it and, and kind of exercise the creative muscles in a different way uh, was huge. The cast and the crew were so welcoming. Um, I, I made some incredible friends in that production. Um, and really just, I think at that moment, it felt like that story was so pertinent and so needed to be told. And so to get the honor of getting to help tell that story or, you know, I think I did 99 or a hundred shows to get to tell that story that many times. Um, what a privilege. Yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about that. I'm so thankful I got to do that. It was a great show. I couldn't agree more. And, and um, just from top to bottom, some of the most talented, nicest people, both in front of, or both on stage and off. Um, so much fun to be a part of. I was bummed when it closed because I was just like, I'll, I'll go back as many times as they want me to go back. It was so much fun. It was, uh, I mean, the music is great. It's everything. It, it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those shows that 
everything converged the right way. The music was there. The story was there. The character depth was there. Um, uh, they, they did a fantastic job putting that, that show together. Yeah. Did you ever meet Cindy Lauper? I did. Um, I was, uh, I was told, I was warned about her before I met her. Um, not that she was a bad person, nothing about that, but just like she, she was very opinionated about the music and how people sang it. And so I, I remember, um, I, you know, I, I start, I start my run on the show, get a few shows under my belt. And there's this scene where I'm up in, in the office, but I'm like upstage and our mics are turned off and it's me and, um, uh, Kirsten Maldonado from Pentatonix was playing uh, Lauren at that time. So we're talking up there and she's like, have you met Cindy yet? I'm like, no, no, I haven't. She goes, Oh, I met her before the show. She's great. She's here tonight. I'm like, Oh no. You know? <laughs> so the whole second act, I'm a wreck. Just like sing it right. Hit all the notes. Don't mess up. Um, and uh, so I met Cindy afterwards and she was super complimentary. And um, she was like, I'm so glad you're here, uh, which made my whole day. So that's, so that's, that's a, that's a good stamp of approval. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that all day. You know, that's, I, she's working. I forgot what it was. She's working on some other show now. With I, I, Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think, would think, I would think so. Yeah. I think working girl, but I, I could be wrong. I think that's good. I think I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. What about, so let's talk about your new music. Yes. Strange world. Tell me all about it. Um, so like everybody, I have been, um, relegated to being indoors at home, um, for the most part. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it, the song kind of stems from, I was, we have this, um, like oval shaped window, uh, in our gym. And I was looking outside one day and just kind of realizing, I don't, I don't, it's been so long since I've been out in the world. Like I don't exactly recognize it. Um, and that's kind of where the song started from is, you know, um, and then the idea, like trying to embrace the positives of this, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a road warrior. You know, I like being on the road. Um, and this year not being able to do it, um, I've been able to spend more time at home with my wife and my dogs and um, be more present. Um, and I've enjoyed that. And it's, it's actually allowed me the opportunity to really double down on the creative process and focus on that more. And, um, and so it's just, that's the strange world is just about trying to embrace the good things about where we find ourselves right now, instead of panicking that the world outside the wall is uh, on fire. And I imagine people are relating to it for that very reason, that it is a strange world. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope so. I hope people are able to find something for themselves. And, and that's kind of how I approach every song. Like I write these songs, um, you know, and the narratives are more often than not personal. I, I you know, I, I think trying to write from the, those, those areas of my life uh, really seem to resonate more anyway and I get more excited about them but ultimately once I put them out they're they're all open to interpretation um but yeah the shared experience of this year um yeah makes that connection hopefully a little more obvious are you just itching to get back out on the road 
Yeah. I, I, I Well, I say that. Most of the time, yeah. I, I mean, I like I like what I do for a living. I like being able to perform. I love the immediacy of a live show. Um, so I do miss that. But there's a there's an opportunity cost to everything. I, I'm I, I'll, I'll miss not being home more. Um, but you know that's the gig. I was gonna say your wife must be thrilled you're home, right? Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. No, she's like, well, you can just you can go. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think she. I think she's enjoyed me being around. So you haven't found it like harder to be inspired during COVID, or is it just the opposite? Uh, no, it's about the same. I think it's just tuning into different things. Um, you know, there is a whole world going on out there, whether or not we're a part of it. Um, so the news has been helpful. Um, I, I, I think just tuning into the emotions surrounded particularly around the holidays now um yeah of you know doing thanksgiving over zoom as opposed to at the table it was a weird one it was yeah i I think uh, you know but but uh, on on the flip side of it you know thankful that this technology exists where we can do this at all seriously Um, it's so strange to think like there was a time when like facetime wasn't around (laughs) we just talked on the phone I thought of that, of like, if this were happening in a different time without all of this. What do you do? Yeah. You know, like, of course, like you look at like television, all that, like Hollywood doesn't miss a beat. Like they, for, they have a week where they don't know what, how to do it. And then it just somehow they figure it all out. And well, you had all these shows coming back and doing like the special one-offs for charity where they were just doing zoom. I watched the parks and rec one a few times. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, as with everything, it's adapt or die. So let's adapt. Well, Parks and Rec is one of the best shows ever. Come on. Yes. I knew I knew we were going to get along, David. I'm glad we figured this out. I mean, you, you just go down and you're like, there's not one weak link in this entire cast. And the more you add people, you add Rob Lowe later, like, it's just brilliant. Every single thing. Huh. Parks and Rec, The Office. Um, yeah, those two shows in particular have been have been a nice little lifeline this year, haven't they? Who who was your favorite on Parks and Rec? Um it depends. I think most of the time I really liked uh I really liked April Ludgate. Most of the time. I like that I like the really dry dark humor a lot. Yeah. Uh, but then sometimes it was Ben. I liked Ben Wyatt a lot. Interesting. Yeah. For me, it was April or Donna. Retta. That's pretty red. I got, yeah, I'll give you Donna. I mean, really, I, just... yeah, who am I? Uh, I did like, uh, I like Sean Ralphio and uh, Mona Lisa as well. It's good. Also great additions to the cast. Yep. Is there, like, do you, I mean, I, I don't, I'm bad with this, but is there any, like, new current music, like, you know, of the kids today? Like, is there... <laughs> Is there any, I mean, again, you're not old. I'm just saying. I was going like, to say, you're the wrong guy. I turned 38 this month, so. Um, well, that's why I can't, I'm not really good with such new music either, even though I'm somewhat aware of it. But like, you know, is there anyone where you're like, oh, Sean Mendez is the best or, you know. I tend to skew more, um, more alternative uh, indie stuff right now. Um, there's one rock song right now that's really been grabbing me. Um, 
uh, Mammoth WVH. It's uh, it's Eddie Van Halen's son has oh. this called Mammoth WVH, and he just put out this song uh, called Distance about his dad, and the video is just a gut wrencher. It I can't listen to that song without getting like choked up. I love that song right now. Um, and then um, uh, I've gotten really into like Meg Myers the last uh, like year and a half or two. Um, I think her catalog's great. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on a bunch of others, but yeah, that's, it's a good Those story. Those are good ones. No, when I was at the gym, like two or three weeks ago, I saw Wolf Van Halen. I, the sound wasn't on and I just, I didn't know what it was. And it must've been, I mean, I thought it was just a tribute to Eddie, but it must've been about that song. Cause he's it, on the it's, uh, Yeah. I, I think, I've, you know, ever so often you come across a song that like, it'll grab you and it's a good song, but then when you put the visual with it, it just amplifies it to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, and that song, there's a song called Hellbent by an artist named Kenna. Um, song's great, but the video just, I mean, lifts it to another level. Um, uh, yeah, songs like that are pretty rare, but when you can access the visual of it and it really drives it home, those are, those are special. Yeah, totally. So what's, as we wrap up, what's next for you? What are your plans for the rest of COVID? What's going on? <laughs> uh, well, my, pl- my main plan for the rest of COVID is to hopefully not get COVID. Um, but uh, past that, uh, you know, we're working on the rest of a, a new EP. Um, we've released uh, Red's Turn Blue and now Strange World. Those will be on the EP. Um, we're going to get that out first part of next year. That's bad. Uh, and then as soon as we're able, we've got dates uh, in Europe in March and then in the Northeast in April. Hopefully those stick. If not, we'll reschedule and push them back and get on the road as soon as we can. Yeah, I go to a lot of live shows. So, yes, like all my live shows from March were then like whatever, then September. But everything that I have now that's already purchased, which I don't even know what it is, it all seems to be March and April. So Yeah, yeah. Well, if uh, you're not in L.A., is that right? Uh, I'm in New York City, but I travel. We will, uh, if everything holds up, we'll be there in April if you want to come out. I will absolutely come out. Yeah, please do. Knock on wood. In fact, uh, let... um uh let whoever set this up know and we'll, we'll get you on a list for sure. i will i'll talk to them and that would be amazing i really appreciate it tell everyone where they can find you online uh davidcookofficial.com is the website um you go to at the david cook on twitter um i don't shit i'm trying to blank now on facebook and instagram i think instagram is david cook official yeah we'll go with that i think Check so out david cook official on instagram and they can get the new music as well. Anywhere you listen to, buy, stream music. Yeah, it's, it's there. So, um, yeah, just like put it on loop and play it in the background. Get, let's get a few streams going. Let's do that. It's a great song. Listen, it's a great song. It's of the times. So I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll keep in touch. I'll come out when you're in New York. Sounds good, man. So, Happy holidays. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, 
feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.